Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In their new documentary, One of Us, acclaimed observational filmmakers Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady, known for such films as Jesus Camp and Detropia, take a deep and moving look into the lives of three individuals who have chosen to leave the hugely insular world of Hasidic Judaism. The film follows Eddie, E-T-E-T-T-Y, a mother of seven who has decided to leave a violent marriage and divorce her husband, Ari, a teenager who's on the verge of manhood who was struggling with addiction and the effects of childhood abuse, and uh, Luzer, uh, an, an actor who, despite having found success in the secular world, still wrestles with his decision eight years earlier to leave the Hasidic community. Again, the film is called One of Us, and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film, Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. Welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having us and for all of the uh, film encouragement over the years. <laughs> You are so welcome, and this I, I I never I can't say that I ever ever said this to filmmakers, and I uh, but I'm going to say it to you, this is such a strong work. I think it might be the strongest work I've seen from you, I, and because of a number of things. First of all, the the technique by which you used to make the film I thought was so um, it was such a pull to watch. It pulled me into the to the film, and and the other thing is these subjects are complex people there's no i don't know that having watched the film there's no completely right or wrong response to the world that they were in um although i would say the one exception might be etty uh, i i think i think that was probably the most stark um character sort of uh, her situation her what she was going through but the film still leaves us with a lot to think about, um, despite all that. And I'm going to start with Heidi. I'll start with you. How did you come to the story of One of Us? Well, uh, thank you for your kind words about the work. We're really proud of this uh, uh, this film. We, um, Rachel and I, are New Yorkers, and uh, maybe not born and raised, but we've been in New York for a long, long time. And both of us have always had uh, kind of an obsession with the Hasidic community, uh, partly because. They live among us, but apart from us, this is a community that dresses completely differently, um, known for their sort of stark black hats and coats, and the women are wearing wigs, and they live in their own neighborhoods with the kosher restaurants, and there's not really a lot of interaction between the secular New York and the Hasidic New York, except for on the bus, on the subway, and sometimes in the street when we pass each other. Um, There's not any eye contact. There's no words among us. Um, And so... Most New Yorkers are aware of the Hasidic community, and people also in Los Angeles and London and and in Canada and other other pockets, uh, obviously Israel. Um, But it seemed like a community that was unattainable to us as secular people and especially as filmmakers because the community is not into photography and not looking for publicity and not interested in telling their stories. So um, it was just a source of fascination, mm-hmm. uh, and we had no intention of making a film about them because what what special access did we have to take the right to make a movie? And we don't make films unless we have special access. That's sort of one of our parameters. But we read an article a few years ago about an organization called Footsteps, which is known to be the, quote, underground railroad of the Hasidic community, meaning that 
people who are thinking of leaving, exiting, or pursuing a secular life, possibly, come to Footsteps and they get counseling and help and advice and, you know, job training and stuff like that. And we thought, oh, that's an interesting perspective, those people who are on the brink of leaving or interested in exiting. And so we spent a lot of time persuading Footsteps to allow us to come in without a camera, meet people, meet members, and possibly cast a film from their membership. And that's exactly what happened. It took about one year to gain their trust, access, and to find our subjects, and about two years of filming. And so um, really that's, that's how it all happened, from, from a curiosity to a solid entry point at filmmakers, and then the rest is what you see in the movie. Rachel, I don't know about you, but hearing what Heidi just described, the idea that there's an organization that, as you described it, an underground railroad of sorts to get people from out from the, a community would pique my interest tremendously as to there's the flip side of this is why would it be so difficult to leave um, a community? What what makes this mm-hmm. so, so compelling? And in the film, you do a wonderful job of kind of laying out um, the sort of the rules and regulations. But I'm kind of curious of your reaction. Did you, when you heard about footsteps, did it pique your interest the way it just did when when Heidi described it? That you need an organization to help get you out from under an or uh, uh, something like oh, this? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it piqued our interest immediately when we learned about the existence of this organization yeah. and the fact that um, these are the, the people that reach out to Footsteps need help in such unexpected ways. They have never um, had mixed gender relationships. Um, they, they don't know how to talk to the opposite sex. They don't have their GEDs. They learned English as a second language. Um, they are just people that uh, have not been assimilated to secular society whatsoever. And these are New Yorkers we're talking about. Right. So that in itself was interesting to us. I mean, there's, there's stakes involved and there's change that is inevitable that's going to happen to them. So as storytellers, that's immediately going to pique our interest. Um, and then on, and then well, the, to... And- um, and then even more than that is once we got access to footsteps and we started meeting people that actually were taking the steps to leave, it became clear that people that take such um, severe and risky steps out of this community are a self-selected group that are fascinating yeah. and risk-takers and um, have everything to lose but everything to gain and they just were, as a storyteller, they were irresistible. Yeah, that is absolutely true in this case. Uh, all of them I found fascinating, interesting, intelligent, well-spoken people who had varying degrees of reservations and attractions to what the Hasidic community had to offer to them. And this makes it just really makes for such an interesting film. Let's talk about all the rules and and sort of the way that this community is able to kind of hide in plain sight, insulate itself from from the greater New York community. I had no idea. I've seen them, and I don't know if we described. You you often see them with the curl. The men have the curls that run down as like almost sideburns. They're, they're called payos. 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 Right. Yep. 
And but it was well at the as the film progresses, you learn more and more about why they've been able to maintain such a tight knit community, which I found absolutely fascinating. And you described a little bit about it with they go to their own schools, etc. But did you have any notion of of the level of sort of involvement people have? Um, Heidi, did you understand what was going on before this? No, these are things that you don't find out. They're not readily, this is not information that's readily available. Yeah. I mean, what's really kind of complex and it can be a little bit confusing about the Hasidic community is that, well, for example, they've tried to create their own systems, their own, their own court, uh, by the way, it's called the Betzdin, that, that people can resolve disputes over instead of going to secular court, you go to the rabbi first, and you go to the Beistin, which is like their, their rabbinical court, let's call it. And then, of course, there is their own neighborhood watch slash police force called the Shamrim um, that, you know, again, people will call them before they will call the... It takes a lot for a Hasidic person to actually reach out to the secular New York uh, City police officers. They have their own ambulance service, extremely well-organized, called Hatzala. And um, you know, one would never call nine one one for an ambulance. They would they would call Hatsala first. Um, there, there's all of these institutions that they built. Uh, uh, their school system, of course, they have their private yeshiva system, where you know English is sort of on the back burner, and and things like mathematics and and English are not prioritized. But yet, Talmudic studies are. And so they have these alternate this alternate system. Um, right there in New York City, but at the same time, they also vote as a block that are politically active in the local political system, mm-hmm. um, voting for candidates who are friendly to them and, 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 and will vote in their best interest. They are also, um, most of them are using, are, are um, on, inside the welfare system in, in some way and um, using heavily using social services available to them in New York. So it's not like they're fully out and and they're involved to a, to an extent uh, that you know it ben- benefits their community, but yet they 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 are also like have pulled back in as many ways as possible so as not to deal with the secular courts and and the police and all the things I mentioned. So th- those things are not apparent at all to a, a New Yorker just passing on the street. There's you have to really research and, and and get very familiar with the community to understand this weird dichotomy of a community that partly of us and in many ways not part of us at all. Mm-hmm. So it makes them a lot more complex than, for example, a quick study on the Amish, which would be clearly they live in rural areas and they grow their own food and they and they have their own livestock and, you know, they sell their cheese at the market and they have minimal content. We, we understand, like, what's going on there more or less. This is New York City. This is the largest city in the United States. And and you've got a, a completely insulated community right smack in the middle of it that's sort of got one tiny toe in our, our world when necessary and then would like to be left alone for the rest of the time. So, no, you know, that's one of the things that we were, we were very fascinated by. We don't really get into all of these things. We touch upon them yeah. in the film, and, and hopefully people will, will, will get to know more because our, really, our film is really about three brave individuals yes. that have, have the bravery and the gall to say no and say, I don't feel well in this community. I have been either abused by this community or I, or I want to be an individual. I want to, I want to know what it feels like to, to, to be me and not part of this collective. And just that thought, just that notion 
makes them radicals within a community where one does not step out of the pack. One doesn't like put on like a red hat and, and, and declare themselves an individual. That is not what's accepted. That is not what's expected. And so there are great and grave consequences to an individual in the Hasidic community that decides to do what our subjects have done. So our movie really becomes more about that risk and that reward of stepping out as an individual and what you lose and what you gain. And so we really move thematically into something that's a little more universal than the, the structure, the tenets and the structures of the community, which are fascinating all the same. Right, right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady, the uh, co-directors of the film One of Us. Uh, it is opening here in Los Angeles at the Music Hall today on uh, October 20th, and it will also be screening on Netflix, also opening today, Friday, uh, October 20th here. Uh, so go to a theater to see it. I just, first of all, the experience of being in a theater with a bunch of people. This is one of those films, again, I think people watching a movie, uh, watching one of us will will want to talk to someone about it because it's just a fascinating world in which we're brought into and we to try to understand what's going on. And the characters in the film are individually fascinating enough to be subjects of their own documentary and um that alone i think uh, those those it's a very powerful combination um I, and the other part of this you mentioned it uh, again let's go back to some of your earlier work just sort of as a touchstone here jesus camp um the sort of there is some parallels here I'd, uh rachel wh- there there's certain themes that carry forward from jesus camp into this what would you how would you sort of talk about the two films and how they're alike and maybe how they're different as well. Mm-hmm. Well, right from the beginning when we started working on this film, we felt like it was an interesting companion to Jesus Camp, which was 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, in, in some simple ways and some very complex ways. In simple ways, it's Jesus Camp is about a film of believers and people that have no authority about themselves. These are, you know, they're young kids. They were 9, 12 years old. And our latest film is about doubters and people that can um, make decisions for themselves if they like. So it was kind of, it, it felt like um, an appropriate 10 years later, it almost felt like a sequel mm-hmm. in its own unique way. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I definitely... We definitely felt, you know, the pull, the correlation between the two. Um, and to be honest, you know, the things that we get out of exploring religion and specifically in um, very the edges of religion, religion, you know, religious people that are sort of in the extreme, is an opportunity to really dive into the human condition and identity and um, people that rather or rather not identify with a group rather than themselves. And I think in in this latest film, in one of us, we see what it means to be an individual versus being part of the group and the the pros and cons. And it's not simple. It isn't a simple thing. Um, I think that um, a secular person, especially an American secular person that was raised to believe that being an individual is 
you know, actually the height of existence. That that is, you know, that is one of our, the tenets of our identity as Americans is to be, you know, to forge out on your own and to be an individual. Um, This community doesn't believe that. And they, um, they're, they're, they're not interested in assimilating into that point of view. And their existence, the way that they've survived for the last 70 years in America, is by rejecting that. And what an amazing way to explore these ideas of being an individual versus um, the, the protection of the collective. Right. So both of the films gave us the opportunity to sort of get inside of those ideas um, so I, I, you know, mm. on a personal level, it really did feel like a companion piece. It felt like sort of the completion of a thought that we had started 10 years ago. Kind of a religious seven up, if you will. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah. Like a religious seven up. But different religions like doesn't that. matter. <laughs> well, w- one of the things, and, and sort of to give fair, fair, you know, kind of, I say balance maybe is not the right word here, but the Hasidic community that came to the United States came to the United States after the Holocaust. And and it's an understandable reaction to want to insulate yourself from the world that has been very, very recently incredibly and horribly hostile. And and so it I can understand that that from that point of view, from the historic context of what the, the, the community is. But I don't have the sense there's anything such as a, a reform Hasidic movement within that community. It seems to be, if anything, based on the the speech that we see in the film by I'm not sure which the rabbi's name is right now, but it, it was at it was at I assume that was Yankee Stadium. Um, there's no okay. There was there's no room for anything but this kind of a worldview, it, and I I think I'm is that being fair to the Hasidic community? In? You know, it's 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 we're, oh, we're so hesitant to defeat an entire community with one brush. I know that's like no, a I know. dodge, but I, know. I mean, there is there is a sect uh, of Hasidism. They're known as Chabad. They're Lubavitchers. They're probably the community that, if your listeners have heard of any sect, it might be them because they're more out. They're not quite evangelizers, but to to fellow Jews, they they do um, they do welcome. Uh, you know, Jews of other other stripes into their into their fold, and they're and they're sort of in different cities, and they interact with the public, and they're you know they're definitely more um, comfortable talking to more secular people. Um, that is not the sect that we were one of the sects that we were looking at in in our film. Um, but this, but what we did find is overall, well, somebody, uh, an individual. Um, for example, an elder that you see in the film. There are several elders that you see in the movie speaking Yiddish yes. and kibitzing with our characters in some kind of fashion. They are um, they're warm yes. and they're kind of uh, uh, funny. And one on one, we had a lot of uh, warm encounters, and you see a few in the film. When it comes to the group making decisions or um, you know big big points of, of fracture, for example, uh, dealing with somebody who's leaving the community or who's threatening to take the children with her or with him, the community acts as a unit. The individual dissipates. It no longer matters. The one goes to the rabbi 
one makes a decision, the community acts as a unit, as one, as a wall. So it's very interesting because, you know, there is room for individualism to, to a point, but any big important decisions, uh, the group agrees. There is dissent cannot be tolerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something we found to be true. Um, in this community, it, it, they vote as a block, for example. Um, you know, in there politics, are, there are, a, yeah. a woman might come home from bringing her home, kid home from school, and the child brings with him a voting sheet of what the rabbi and what the community has decided are the best candidates to vote for. That is a piece of paper that is delivered to the family telling them who to vote for. That is extremely, extremely common. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, that's how the community is able to thrive in their mind and, and grow. The fastest set growing segment of Judaism is a Hasidic community, of course, because they have a lot of children yes. um, and are encouraged to have a lot of children. But they also survive and thrive because they're willing to put their personal beliefs aside for the group. And that has advantages and disadvantages, and that can be beautiful and it can also be dangerous. And we tried in the film to show both. And I want to go back to something that, Rachel, you said, which is the film is about Hasidic Judaism, yes. But it is also about Eddie, it's about Luzur, and it's about Ari. And, and, and it is their lives and the way that they unfold and their interactions with the, their community and their families and all of these different things. It is a very human film. It's an extremely humanizing film. Uh, I'm, I was drawn and I, I fell in love with all the characters, of the, these three main characters in the film. It is a, it is a really, truly a, a, a beautiful uh, view of the world that they live in and, and like all great uh, documentaries, into a world that we wouldn't normally have access to. And uh, it's just such a strong work. The last question I have for you, uh, I'll throw, this is kind of a jump ball. Any reaction from, from the Hasidic community regarding your film? Any, have you heard anything? Yeah, We're dying to know. Dying to know. Okay. You know, we know that some billboards went up today all over New York, including in the Hasidic community. So we're, we're waiting to see. I mean, I could, I could give you some wagers. I could, I could go ahead and guess. (laughs) Well, uh, nothing (laughs) anecdotal. No, nobody, and you haven't, no no one's called you or is, 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 do you think that, I mean, no one's seen it. You know, it's been at a few film festivals, but, yeah. Let's be honest. Film festivals. We're we're talking about hundreds of people. Um, millions of people are going to be able to see it within a few days. Yeah. So that's when the conversation, that question, is going to be extremely meaningful. Right. And we're very eager to find out what's going to happen. Next. I w- I wonder if they'll just choose to ignore it and and not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm they could choose to ignore it. Yeah, yeah they yeah. could. And like that's one of those things that. You know, I, I'm I'm curious. I, I hope that there is an interesting and engaged conversation yeah. to be had. I really do. I would love that. As do, um, as do I. I would love nothing more. Yeah. But um, you know, I we're not not in charge of that. So okay. We'll, see what well, once again, the film is one of us. The the co-directors have been kind enough to join us today, Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. A continuation of some fantastic work as filmmakers and. Please continue. I know you are. I know you're, you're, uh, this is your calling, and I hope you continue to do. Isn't that a funny word to use when we're talking about uh, the makers of this film? <laughs> I, but, I know, but it's true. <laughs> it's it true. is your calling, and, and thank you so much for 
being an avid watcher of our work, I mean, that's really, it's meaningful to us to have people that have followed the whole trajectory and are invested in the body of work, and we're really touched by that. So thank you very much. My pleasure, and my and my thanks to both of you for being here on Film School today. Again, the film is one of us. Uh, the film opens in um, here in Los Angeles at the Lemley Music Hall on uh, tonight, October 20th, in, in Los Angeles, as well as on Netflix, and I'm sure it'll be showing in New York this uh, as well. So I uh, look forward to your future work, and thank you again for being here. Rachel and I. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.